Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Addiction Treatments That Work. I'm your host, Kenneth Anderson, and tonight our guest will be Cindy Clay from HIPS. Before we start our show, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our organization and our website. Our organization is the HAMS Harm Reduction Network. We are a free-of-charge lay-led support group for anyone who wants to make a positive change in their drinking habits, from safer drinking to reduced drinking to quitting altogether. Our website is hamsnetwork.org. Our book is called How to Change Your Drinking, A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol. It's available from Amazon. And uh, you can get more information about our book if you go to our website, hamsnetwork.org slash book. Our guest tonight is Cindy Clay, who's the executive director of HIPS. HIPS is an acronym that stands for Helping Individual Prostitutes Survive. This is a harm reduction-based service for sex workers. It's based in Washington, D.C., and I'm going to bring Cindy on right now. How are you doing tonight, Cindy? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about HIPS. Sure. Um, Well, HIPS is a nonprofit organization located in Washington, D.C., and we provide health education, um, advocacy, and uh, support services for individuals who engage in sex work and drug use in the D.C. area. So, um, I saw from your website that you provide needle exchange, and a lot of programs do that. We've talked a lot about needle exchange. But are there other some specific services you provide for sex workers? Yeah, sure. So we have uh, two main programs that we run. Um, one is our... Um, so we have our educational and supportive services program, which include client advocacy, which is basically um, anything from individual counseling to case management to, you know, helping people get basic needs, such as an ID or locating shelter or just getting help accessing and, and navigating the social service system in D.C. Um, that program also runs a 24-hour hotline, um, that's available to anyone who is engaged in or affected by sex work um, in the U.S. And uh, we have trained counselors who can answer questions um, and who can help connect people to resources either in the D.C. area or um, nationally um, to just provide a place where sex workers can call and talk about some of the issues that they have. Um, and then we also, through that program, do crisis services Um, So 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, uh, we can help any sex worker who's been a victim of violence or is looking to leave an abusive relationship, um, such as a relationship with a a pimp or a manager. Um, And we have, again, a crisis team that can go out and meet them 24 hours a day, um, help do safety planning with them, and then try to work to link them to secure secure shelter and then, you know, plan on on where to move forward after that. that program also houses a um, peer education program, which plays two roles. One is it's a life skills and a job skills um, training program where we hire current and former sex workers to serve as health educators to their community. Um, and they, through, through, through their work, we also run support groups. Um, we have a, a maintenance group for drug users, um, and we have a Uh, groups for um, all kinds of different topics, actually, throughout the week. And um, we also do outside trainings uh, for other organizations and agencies. And then we also have our mobile and outreach services program, which um, we basically, you know, 
pile all of our services into a van, um, and we travel around the streets um, in D.C., hitting all of the major strolls in areas where people are doing sex work um, or drug use. And through that van, we can provide HIV testing, um, we do syringe exchange, um, we do condom and other material, safety material distribution, um, and, and counseling. Uh, and right now the van is out Friday, Saturday, Friday and Saturday nights from 11 p.m. to 8 a.m., and uh, we're out three or four times during the week, depending on what the street activity is like. Okay, those sound like some really great services. I saw on your website that you've got a couple of support groups. It says there's a support group for women and transgender, and then uh, another support group for, for men. And can you tell me a little bit more about those two support groups? Yeah, I can. I can tell you a little bit about them. The unfortunate thing is right now uh, those support groups aren't up and running on a regular basis. We're having them on a semi-regular basis. We actually mm-hmm. lost um, about $150,000 in funding from the city this year um, because the D.C. decided not to fund sex worker-specific HIV prevention services, and that's the money we were using to help to help run those support groups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the goal of those groups was really to give people a place and a chance to talk about you know some of the issues, and to receive support from their peers. They're um, they're all they were all peer, peer facilitated um, and run by our peer educators, and kind of began to be a place where people could start building community, um, and also just kind of talk with other people who understood some of the things that they were going through. Um, one of the things that our um, participants talked to us about is how isolating uh, doing sex work can be, because it's not really something that you tell your friends. It's not something mm-hmm. that you you actually feel like you you know. You can talk to people about about what you're doing. So mm-hmm. providing that kind of environment where sex workers can talk to each other and really support each other became really important um, to our agency. Yeah, I think that's really important. You can't just go home and tell your mother and father about this. In most cases, you know, just uh, it's not many people just can't accept this, but uh, it's a reality and it's there. Right, definitely. And, I mean, can you imagine, like, not being able to talk to anybody about your job? <laughs> um, and Especially, like, if you're, um, if, like, other people who are independent contractors, like, you generally do sex work, like, kind of on your own. Um, and if you, you know, n- not having anyone who you really feel like you can be open and honest with, if you don't, you know, m- many sex workers find that they, they don't have anyone they can talk to other than other sex workers. And so trying to provide the space and the time for people to do that is really important. Yeah, it's really important for a person's mental health to be able to talk about what's going on in their life and not be judged for it. So I think this is just a really important and excellent service that you're offering. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the history of this organization. How long has HIPS been around? We were actually formed in 1993. Um, We are celebrating um, our 15th year of incorporation um, at the end of this year. And we were actually formed uh, by a coalition of individuals, concerned individuals in the D.C. area that actually included law enforcement and the court system and the U.S. Attorney's Office, um, as well as community advocates and some parents of young people who are on the streets. And when we started out, we actually weren't a harm reduction program. Um, our program was you know, founded to really help young women under 18 get off the streets and to get out of prostitution. Um, and about two to three years into our work, 
there was a conversation within the agency um, where we kind of acknowledged that we were actually, there was really a need for services to more than just young women. There were lots of um, men who we were encountering who were doing sex sex work or sex trading, um, and there were a lot of transgender individuals, mostly transgender women, who were doing a lot of sex trading. And we really felt like they also needed our assistance. This wasn't just a women's issue. Um, and we also had the conversation about how our mission was sometimes getting in our way of actually helping people. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, a woman that I remember, I was actually working as a, as a caseworker um, for HIPS then, and we were talking, we had done a crisis intervention with her, um, and we were, you know, basically we're at our office at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and she and I were, were, were talking, and she started kind of, you know, she was like, we were talking about kind of some of the issues and, you know, why she had left her pimp and why she needed crisis intervention services, and she's like, well, you know, and my man, meaning her pimp, and she looked at me and she's like, well, you know, um, I already know how you feel about him. And then she moved on to another topic. And I think, you know, the conversation we had within the agency was if people already felt like we had a goal set for them, in, like, in mind, they weren't going to come to our agency or, act, or, or receive any support from us until they felt like they were ready to leave the streets. And that was really getting in our way. We were actually doing harm reduction work, but not realizing, because we hadn't heard the term. We didn't know what harm reduction was. Mm-hmm. Um, so about 1996 was when we, we changed our mission. Um, someone actually introduced us. Um, Fred Johnson actually introduced us to the concept of harm reduction. We'd been doing it, but we didn't know that's what it was called. Um, and so we became a full-fledged um, harm reduction agency that really worked to be, you know, as much as, possible like by and for sex workers and so it was really a real turning point there for us in our history and and we've grown over the past um, 15 years into one of the largest and most comprehensive programs like ours um, for sex workers um, I think actually um, in the world so uh, you uh, started to really meet people where they were at so to speak exactly I mean meeting people where we're at both you know both literally um, through our outreach programs um, or, you know, through our hotline um, in, and non-judgment, being non-judgmental, which you talked about earlier, you know, those are really the cornerstones of HIPS, of, of HIPS's work. Now, you said uh, at the beginning uh, there were uh, law enforcement involved and uh, I think judges you mentioned. Are they still involved? We still have good relationships with um, some law enforcement in the D.C. area, uh, and we definitely utilize those folks to help us out when we need it or when someone's being abused or um, if there's violence on the streets. Um, We also are actively working, actually, with the U.S. Attorney's Office. Um, We're running a harm reduction diversion program um, for transgender women here in the D.C. area that are arrested for solicitation-related charges. Um, And it was kind of like after being, after not having that kind of, kind of, after not, I guess, being that close to, um, you know, law enforcement for so many years, uh, it was a little hard for us to kind of agree to start working so closely with them again. Um, But the community of sex workers really came to us and said, hey, like, this will help me stay out of jail, um, and this will help me kind of, you know, reduce um, the likelihood that I'm going to get rearrested. So it's a really good thing that we want HIPS to do. And so we worked with the community to develop, um, uh, and by community I mean sex workers, to develop kind of a, a harm reduction diversion program that worked for us. And, and the goal of the program is to really reduce people's likelihood of rearrest. 
um, because we find that when people are arrested for prostitution-related offenses, that actually does more to keep them in prostitution if they don't want to be in it than, you know, almost anything else because having a record keeps you from being able to find, like, other types of legal employment. Do sex workers themselves have a voice in uh, the operation of the organization and the policies? Yes, we work really hard to, like I said, be a buy-in for. So we work to make sure that we have representation of sex workers at all levels of the agency. So we have sex workers who are participants and clients of the agency. We have sex workers who are volunteers, um, you know, sex workers or former sex workers who have been who are on staff, um, and also in our board of directors, um, and our and our donors. To to be quite frank, we have a lot of. Um, there's a, a lot of sex workers in the D.C. area who donate to our programs on a regular basis because they really believe in the work that we do. Okay, that sounds really good. Uh, when I was at the harm reduction conference, I remember people talking about a bad date list. Can you tell me what that is? Yes, I'm, I forgot to mention that. Our um, So we have a bad date sheet that we've been running, we think, for about the past 10 years. Uh, we forgot to write down when we started it. Um, but the goal of the bad date sheet is to serve as both an empowerment tool and a tool of communication amongst sex workers um, because we know statistically um, that sex workers report um, less than 10% of the crimes that are committed against them, um, but they have astounding, acts, astounding rates of experiences of violence, of robbery, um, and, and of assault. Um, and so the bad date sheet is really a community-led um, tool to to counteract that um, and to you know to help sex workers be aware. So what the bad date sheet is is if um, someone experiences violence, they can make a report. Um, they make a report either to our outreach van um, or via our hotline, or they can come into our drop-in center um, and make a report. And we take down uh, you know as much information as they can give us about the person who. Um, abuser attacked them uh, and then it goes on a you know probably it depends on how many reports we have for the month we we you know rotate new ones on and old ones off as we as we must to keep it small and carryable um, but it the information is then listed so and we pass that out to sex workers um, again they can get it in our office or they can get it through our outreach van so that people know who to look out for so a description of the car hopefully a physical description of the individual and a little bit about what happened so that people know who to look out for okay that sounds really helpful uh, are there any other agencies uh, in the United States that are harm reduction agencies for sex workers Yes, actually, and we've been really um, been really excited to see, I think, the sex worker advocates from across the country becoming more involved in the harm reduction movement, which we're really happy, happy about, um, and it's nice to have more colleagues from across the country. Um, there are programs in Boston. Um, there are programs in Chicago. There's a, a great program in San Francisco called St. James Infirmary. Uh, and uh, if you're interested or looking for a sex worker program in your area, you can actually go on the Harm Reduction Coalition's website. Um, and under resources, they have a specific page of um, sex worker resources uh, and organizations listed by state. Uh, and so it's a great place to check out so you can get involved in supporting um, sex workers in your area. That sounds really good. Do you have any events or anything coming up in the future you'd like to tell us about? Oh, goodness. Um, we 
are actually lucky to be one of the beneficiaries of the Capital City Ball this year. Um, and I think tickets are going to go on sale very soon, so you can link to, through them through our website, uh, which is www.hips, that's H-I-P-S, dot org. Um, and we also are really looking forward to a summer filled with, um, you know, happy hours and concerts and shows that we're, we're just getting to put together now um, to, uh, you know, get together and celebrate and to maybe raise a little bit of money for HIPS, too. That sounds really great. Um, what, I, I assume that uh, part of the reason this got started was to uh, deal with the incidence of HIV and AIDS. Have Has your organization had a good impact on helping uh, reduce HIV and AIDS? I do believe that we're having an impact, and, and the way that we're having that impact is by making sure that sex workers, you know, have the education and, and, and importantly, the tools that they need um, to help, you know, prevent the threat or transmission of HIV. And what we find is that we believe, you know, sex workers are actually the best people to be engaged in the fight and are, I think are some of our better HIV prevention advocates um, across the country because, you know, sex workers have contact with a general population that usually doesn't get prevention messages. And if you, you know, if we look at the epidemic in D.C., which we know is really, really bad with like one in, I think it's one in 20 um, D.C. residents living with HIV or AIDS, um, we find that it's, you know, it's not just, you know, it's not injection drug users necessarily have the highest rates or it's it's actually the whole population. So it's, you know, evenly, somewhat evenly divided between heterosexual contact being the transmission, homosexual contact being transmission, or, um, or injection drug use being the mode. So we really have an opportunity if we teach sex workers how to protect themselves and protect their clients and we empower them with the tools and the ability to do so, um, you know, we we see the opportunity to, um, you know, to really reduce the epidemic here in D.C. And, it, and when I talk to our participants and the people who come in, you know, they, they, they do talk about how stuff that they've learned at either our educational workshops that we have or, or through talking to a counselor or even just by getting an HIV test and knowing their status and being able to do that in a welcoming, safe, non-judgmental environment has really empowered them to take steps to, you know, to lead healthy, to, to lead a healthier life and a life that's more self-determined. This sounds really great. Uh, would you be willing to share a little bit about your personal history and how you decided to get involved with HIPS? Sure. Actually, I've uh, interestingly enough, I've been at the agency for about um, for almost 15 years. Um, I started off as a volunteer. Um, uh, I a band that I really liked uh, did a um, did a concert a benefit concert for Hips, and I was going to college and heard about it and went to go see the show, and uh, was like this organization and what this organization does makes so much sense. Like I really wanted to be, I really wanted to be involved in the fight um, and in, in advocating for um, for sex workers' rights, but also, you know, advocating for their health and wellness, like, holistically. So, uh, you know, I started volunteering in, on the van, doing our late-night outreach, and did an internship, and the rest is kind of history. <laughs> so, um, where, do you, where do you see the organization going in the future? 
you see it continuing the same way? Any new things that you would like to get involved? What if you had all the money in the world? What would you like to do? Oh, if I had all the money in the world. Um, <laughs> you know, I if I had all the money in the world, I would love to use it to create a world where an organization like HIPS isn't necessary <laughs> because <laughs> sex workers would have full access to social services and they wouldn't, you know, be targets of violence by any individuals because they were accepted as full members of society and didn't have to feel shameful about what they did. Um, so that's what I'd love to do with all the money in the world. Um, but I think for the, you know, for the foreseeable future, I, I, I unfortunately think that there's still going to be need to be a place where sex workers can go and freely talk about some of the challenges that they face, where they can receive support. Um, and not feel judged, and and we kind of like we all very much operate as a you know as a hips family, and I and I'm glad that we're able to provide that, and I hope that we will continue to do that, and and hopefully even more in the future. So, what can people do to support your organization? People can do actually a lot of things to support the organization. Um, I would not be doing my job if I didn't say that you could go to our website and make a donation. Um, our air conditioner broke last week, <laughs> oh, yeah. and so we're in, part of providing a welcoming atmosphere is uh, making sure that people can be comfortable in our space. Um, so we're raising money to help purchase a new air conditioner. Uh, and the other things that people can do is volunteer. Um, at our program, we have all kinds of volunteer opportunities, either from, you know, if you can work an overnight shift on the outreach van, if you can uh, work an overnight shift with a hotline, or even coming in and helping us out administratively out in our offices uh, during the day. We're always, you know, we're always looking for people, and we always have jobs for people to do. Um, we can also accept donations, uh, in-kind donations of products or um, or goods, and there's generally a wish list. There's a wish list on our site of stuff that we need, um, and then just in general, you can support sex workers' rights and um, you know human rights for sex workers in your own communities. And when you you know just be even beginning to think about all of the myths and misconceptions about sex work that's out there, um, you know responding to a, a, um, a poorly written article in a newspaper or, you know, really thinking the next time a politician decides that they're going to um, push for harsher criminal offenses against against prostitution or sex work, you know, really thinking about what, what the real impact and the unintended consequences of that is, you know, on a community uh, are all ways that you can help us in our work. Are there any organizations nationally or internationally for sex workers' rights? Yes, there are. There's some great organizations. Um, internationally, there's the Network of Sex Work Projects, um, which HIPS is a member of, and that's a fabulous collection of um, groups of sex workers across the world, um, sex worker groups like HIPS and also sex worker rights organizations um, and sex worker collectives. Uh, that you know work internationally and and come together to try to um, advocate for sex workers' rights and sex workers' health. Uh, and then in the U.S., there actually has been a swap, which um, is originally was Sex Workers Outreach Project, um, started in um, I believe it started in San Francisco, but has sprouted chapters from all across the country to begin talking and pushing for protections and um, and rights for sex workers nationally. 
um, and in, in their own home areas. So swaps are great places to kind of begin to get involved if there's not a um, if you want to do more advocacy um, around around sex work issues. Thank you so much, uh, Cindy. We've got another caller that just came in. I'm going to see if this is Stanton. I've been waiting for Stanton Peel to come in. No problem. Oh, and I also forgot to mention the Desiree Alliance, which is also a national group um, that works to promote um, sex workers' rights. It's a good, great organization to check out. Very, very good. Stanton, is that you? I'm sorry. Who are you looking uh, for? I have a caller here from 780-539-3251. Yeah, thanks for saying my entire number on the air there, Cheese Dick. Oh, well, if you don't want to uh, be uh, involved, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I no, I, I had a question. I, I do have a uh, question. Uh, I just it, it was kind of presumptuous of you to read my entire phone number on the air. I mean, I guess I could return the favor for you if you want to give me a phone call. No, uh, my phone number's on the internet. So. Okay, great, great. Uh, I, I just wanted to is is this a uh, is this the kind of place? Can I find out uh, information as to where I can can uh, hook up with some some nice tasty sluts? No. Goodbye. Oh. Oh. Okay. Hey, Ken, are you there? Hello, Stanton. I see that you just came in. Okay, Cindy is still here. Cindy, thank you very well, much. Cindy, um, <laughs> can I say hello to you? Um, I'm, my name's Stanton Peel. I'm so impressed with um, your spirit and your energy. And whenever Ken has anybody that he interviews, it's always remarkable, I think, how often um, the people have gotten away from the main narrative. I mean, your description of the people you work with and how you work with them, do you think it's quite different from the things you ordinarily hear around drugs and sex in the mass media uh, the, that, that, are, that are meant to be constructive? Do, do, do you see a big difference in what you do with harm reduction and the standard messages in the media? Yeah, I, I I do actually, and and I think that that it it makes me sad sometimes, <laughs> um, you know. But I mean, we're just we're I I don't think that I actually truly believe that if we had the opportunity to have better and more mature conversations around sex work and prostitution, um, that more people would feel comfortable in really talking from their heart about what they really feel. And so that's part of our job, too, is we're just trying to get the word out and to educate and to get people to think twice about some of the things that they say. What um, are the kinds of messages you hear that are most distressing to you, both around sex and around drugs? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I almost don't want to put them out there anymore. You know, these ideas, I think... I think in the U.S. at least we're beginning to understand that, you know, sex workers aren't vectors of disease. <laughs> um, and if we engage them as health educators and we, we engage them as, you know, participants in this fight um, against HIV and against violence, like, they're some of our best allies. And that's one of the things that I find most, you know, disconcerting. And then I also think the the ideas that, you know, sex workers are, are always, you know, victims is somewhat concerning as a as a topic, um, just because it takes away a lot of their their personal agency and their ability to be empowered, you know, either in sex work if they're doing it by choice, you know, or even the active steps that they're taking to take care of themselves um, and to you know to survive, um, even if they're being coerced or you know by economic circumstance in, in sex work. So those are the 
I think those are the two main kind of myths and, and misconceptions that we work really hard to kind of um, help people think differently about uh, at HIPS. Do you see that those things that you're discussing with sex, do you see them tying in with our attitudes towards drugs and alcohol? And particularly, how do you feel about 12-step groups in relation to those ideas? Hmm. You know what, I, I actually find that people have even harsher views on sex work because we've at least started to have that conversation around drugs. Um, although I do see the same kinds of, like, denigration, the same kind of judgment, the same kind of shame, and, and unfortunately the same kind of law enforcement policies, um, you know, against sex workers that are used on drug abusers. So, for example, in D.C. they in, enacted, like, prostitution-free zones um, that were modeled after drug-free zones, which unfortunately, um, you know, neither tend, you know, to be our best way to address the issue. Um, and, I mean, I think 12-step programs, there are sex, you know, there are 12-step programs for sex workers. And, I mean, as far as my personal view on that, I think that there's got there's something that's going to work for, you know, hopefully there's something that's going to help and help everyone feel supported when they have a problem. Um, and if that's what works for them, that's great, but that's not going to work for everybody. And so we have to be open to providing a, providing a spectrum um, of, of resources and opportunities. So is it a fair, it, it kind of sounds like the general moralism and abstinence orientation towards drugs and sex, you feel hurts your ability to work. And it sounds like you're saying that people's interest in helping with drugs has actually in some ways been mutated in a negative direction because some of the steps that they take around that, like drug-free zones, you feel have a really bad impact in generalizability. Is that a fair yes, statement? Yes, that, that's totally, I totally agree with you on that. Ken, are we uh, are we near the end of our time together? Um, yeah, 10 seconds, uh Oh, well, that was just, it was really great to meet you, and I, I just admire people like you who've given so much and who are so, and and your message is so contrary to so many things that we ordinarily hear as being helpful. I I want to, uh, I'm glad Ken's helping you to spread your message. So good, good well, to meet you. thank you so much, Ken. It's very nice to meet you, too. Ken, take it away. Okay, thank you. Next week, our guests will be Amy Lee Coy, author of From Death to Drive Heart, and Brian Murphy, who operates Self-Led Solutions here in New York City. Thank you, everyone, and good night. Good night. Thank you.